Next time on a very spooky fine dining podcast, the season one finale, TGI Fridays the 13th. Oh, you betcha. Pineapple's gonna hit the fan as Michael's son, Juicy, or in this episode, Juice son, Voorhees, <laughs> goes on a murderous rampage and no one is safe. It gets real spooky, it gets real bloody, and not everyone's gonna make it to the end of the episode. Who will live, who will die? Listen to Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, break down a trip to TGI Fridays based on the atmosphere, the service, and the food, and try not to be scared to death. Hear the thrilling finale of Fine Dining, Wednesday, October 25th, wherever you get your podcasts. This program was recorded before the sad news about the Queen dying broke. So if you don't feel ready to listen to people talk about that, don't worry, we don't. But we did want to release our reaction to there being a new Prime Minister. Maybe next week I'll share some memories of the Queen I knew. But with no further ado, here's this week's episode. You can't say anything these days. At least, not something that won't become offensive very quickly and get you into a lot of trouble. I'm Harriet Langley-Swindon, and this is Nonsensored. Welcome to the show. I am back. Did you miss me? Martin, did you miss me? Uh, it turns out that uh, running a, a radio show is, is perhaps a bit more trying than I had first imagined. It's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Yes, it's, very hard. I didn't know that I'd ever say this, but it, it's good to have you back. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I, I was covering for um, Mr Motivator and then I went on a very short holiday to the Cayman Islands. But it's it's wonderful to be back in the studio where I belong. Ah, yes, of course. <laughs> there, there, on your chair, ready to, to, you know, tell the people what they need to hear, allegedly. And what the people need to hear is that we have a live show tomorrow, Saturday the 10th, at 2pm at King's Place in King's Cross. Tickets are still available. They're £12. I mean, really, I, I think they should be a lot more than that. But um, um, that's the deal that Martin made. I think it keeps it open access. That's just a, what a a couple of beers. You could you could you could stop yourself from having a couple of beers and just come down to the London Podcast Festival. <laughs> In a way, you could get intoxicated on our words. That's dread- dreadful. I wish you wouldn't talk. Anyway, you can get tickets at kingsplace.co.uk. Come along; it'll be jolly fun. Well, the big news assuming nothing's happened since we've recorded this, is that we have a new Prime Minister. And I am absolutely delighted to say that we got her on the show. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful, wasn't it, Martin? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There was a a sense of excitement in the the studio. uh, Like, oh, what's going to happen? It's sort of like just before a a tornado rips through uh, an unsuspecting town. Or indeed, a, a hand grenade goes off. Yes, she is the human hand grenade. Uh, it was a, it was a pleasure. Let's listen to our new prime minister, Liz Truss. Well, I can't believe I'm saying this. Welcome to the program, Liz Truss, our new prime minister. Thank you, Harriet. Knew, knew it. Never in doubt. Congratulations. Knew I it. mean. How how wonderful! How wonderful! I'm so excited to see mm. what you're going to do with the country. 
we're all excited to see what I will do with the country, Britain. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, you, you've obviously got bags of experience uh, and you gave this wonderful speech um, earlier this week, uh, which we must talk about. Uh, to begin with, Liz, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, that there, there was a rubbish bag on there and I thought, oh dear, Liz isn't looking her best. But then there you were delivering what I think everyone would describe as a rousing, passionate speech uh, to the nation. I mean, I can remember every word, every word. Can't you, Martin? Yes, I I remember all of the words. It was, um, got to say, Liz, uh, mistrust, sorry, sorry, um, um, that that it was definitely a speech. Hi, Martin. Were you watching? Did you watch the speech on television? Uh, Yes, yeah. I mean, you know... um, Contractually, I was I, I, I was required to, but I, I think I would have watched anyway. I might change the law that Martin fantastic. has to watch me on the television. Well, you can do that now. You can do that now, Liz. That <laughs> I can do. I can do whatever I like. Is your oyster? Mm, yes. yes, and I'm going to shuck the oyster. Did you see me though? I I had to follow a bin bag. That was good. I I, I followed a bin bag. You followed a bin bag, and you know, not not many people could be up to the challenge there. But I think you no, really showed that actually you gave mm. it a run for its money. I saw the bin and, bag and um, I said, I will follow you. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And and Liz, what was the reception to your speech? It must have been fantastic being out there. Of course, I was surrounded by friends and colleagues, but outside mm-hmm. the gates of number 10 Downing Street, there were the people And they were all so excited to see me. They were all shouting through the gates, go Liz, go Liz, and 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 or Liz go, all things like that. And I thought, yes, I've been welcomed in by my public. Yes, unanimously. Uh, I I think I think we'd we'd all agree. So let's let's talk about the speech. A very exciting speech. Uh, now, you you very kindly, I felt, um, paid lip service to our previous prime minister. And you said that history will see him as a hugely consequential leader. Now, a few people, a few naysayers felt that you should have been a bit harder on Boris Johnson, seeing as you're, you know, you're the new prime minister. But no, not you. It would be difficult to be hard on him when he's done all these good things for the country that is Britain. For example vaccines and also crushing Vladimir Putin neath his boot. So he did that single-handedly. We were at war with Russia and we won. Thank you, Boris. But also he had to go. He had disgraced the party and the nation and he had to go. And I was glad to see him go, but I thank him and welcome his uh, input in future and also well done. And that's wonderful. I hadn't realised that we'd we'd won the war in Ukraine. So that's that's brilliant. What what a yes. what an absolute great thing to happen so early on in in your you can't in your leadership. You can't spell you can't spell Ukraine without UK. Yes, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. No, so, sorry, sorry, Harriet. Just to jump in there, I, I feel I should flag up that um, I'm I, I think there are elements of the the war that are ongoing, not to. Not to sort of uh, undermine your point, there. I'm sure there is. There have been some, uh, you know, very notable victories that that, that the UK have provided to that conflict. But um, but it, it is still very much approaching day 200, and the the war 
is on. Martin, you had me at flag up. Oh, uh, why? Thank you, I, I suppose. Oh, I'm so so happy you're our prime minister. Now, Liz, um, you 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 said in your speech that you know you you implied Britain's not moving properly and there are some problems there, but that you will deliver. I thought that was wonderful. Um, what what exactly are you going to deliver? Well, thank you. The nice thing about that as a slogan, just the word deliver, is that it can mean literally anything, can't it? It's nice and vague. Yes. Uh, do you think that um, sort of nice and vague is is how you want to typify your your uh, your leadership? Um, it's there's a plan. Wait and see. Oh, how exciting. How wonderful. Well, let's talk about the cabinet. Very, very excited by some of them. Lovely to see that you've got Jacob Rees-Mogg, you know, back in there in a prime position. And and you've, of course, got Therese Kofi uh, in charge of health and social care. And, you know, she's been a bit sort of anti-abortion. So uh, she's got in trouble there with the Wokies. And apparently that, but I think how wonderful that she's now sort of in, in charge of health and social care. Yes, it's good to have someone in there who annoys the woke. Uh, it means that yes. we don't actually have to affect any social change we can just rule by irritating the other side, and that's good. Yeah, that's abs- absolutely brilliant. Now, uh, listen, I wouldn't be doing my job, Prime Minister. Oh, sorry, it, it's so funny. It's so wonderful calling you that. Mm, um, I, I like wouldn't it. be doing my mm. job if I if I didn't play a bit sort of devil's advocate and talk about some criticism. Now, Johnny Mercer, who you you sacked, his wife has taken to Twitter, and she sort of rather, I'm not even implied, she sort of accused you really of, of sort of moving your friends into to cabinet. But that's that's not why you've chosen these people. I mean, Kwasi Kwarteng, for example, I, I mean, you, you, you're, not, you're not chummy with him. No, I, he's there purely for talent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think she's just jealous because I've got friends. <laughs> Yes, and and what I mean, what are friends for if not to elevate to positions of power? You know, mm. or they elevate you to positions of power. I mean, this mm-hmm. is why I don't count Martin as a friend because he doesn't do either of those things. Really, I I don't want to. I don't want him to be powerful, and he doesn't make me powerful. No, so. and there's there's very little you know kindness mm. that goes on between us. I I you know for the past few birthdays, I haven't received anything. Um, Just no point. No, in a kind word. So it's 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 nice to know that there's there's no nepotism going on. That it's just just one person telling another person what to do. It, it, in a way, it's easier. It's more honest than than a friendship. I'll be your friend, you know, Martin. Just go. And, really? I, I yes. It would be interesting being friends with the prime. I minister. think you're very powerful, oh. Martin. Oh. <laughs> um, thank you. I mean, this is this is the this is the uh, the the sort of obviously it's just gossip, but Liz is, mm. is known for being a very very friendly person, with lots of friends, yes, everywhere. And who who better to lead the country than someone who has lots of friends? Um, I mean, wasn't it? In, it's a wonderful life where no man is poor if he has friends, and and that's like that's like you, Prime Minister. And don't be poor if you want to live. Uh, well, Prime Minister, thank you so much for coming on the programme. We are absolutely honoured to have you. And um, 
all the, all the all the best with with molding the country as you will and freezing those taxes come on yes they're frozen now and so will everyone be in a few months yes they will oh they will they'll be so cold they'll be so cold yes um I, I, for one, am looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, what you can deliver and, and, and how you can deliver it. Uh, hopefully you work out more more as a sort of uh, royal male and less as a uh, Hermes, as uh, I think some people have been mm, suggesting. You got a package, my, Martin. Uh, oh. <laughs> I don't know what that Prime means. Minister, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Anyway, this week we spoke to Ishan Akbar about the diversity of the new cabinet. Um, Martin, were you being paid to say that? Ishan Akbar, hello. Hello, how are you, Harriet? Oh, I'm wonderful. I've had a holiday. I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling great. And I have to I'm say, back. I can see that you've had a lovely holiday. You're you're almost as dark as me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I try, I try. Ishan, what is your hot and spicy takeaway of the week? Well, as you are well aware, uh, we have a new leader in yes. our country, a certain Liz Truss. And the last few days, she has been uh, appointing members of her cabinet. And a lot has been made about the fact that the great offices of state are held by uh, two uh, black gentlemen, one Asian woman, and a slightly more rotund health secretary. Now, my hot and spicy takeaway of the week is this. This is diversity gone mad, isn't it? It's just a bit too much. I'm your diversity correspondent. I understand Liz Trust trying to get on the front foot. But you want to appoint the best people for the job. You're telling me Liz Trust took one look at Jacob Rees-Mogg and did not think he was worthy. He was worthy of being chancellor. And by the way, Nadim Zahawi, the former chancellor for 48 hours, the former chancellor for 48 hours is now what? The something of the Duchy of Lancaster and Minister for Equalities. That's a very unnecessary demotion. I just feel like it looks to the rest of the world like Liz Truss is just trying to play the race card in a situation where she doesn't need to. And she's left behind some of the Tory bigwigs who should be in these positions. Ishan, this is why I love having you on this programme, because I I can't, I often think these things and I can't say them because people will accuse me of racism. But it's just wonderful because we pay you to say these things and then I can step in and agree. Well, I mean, yes, you do in principle. I've still got a few outstanding invoices. Oh, that's that's fine. We can we can clear that up. Uh, it's just a cash flow thing at the station. We're we're not we're not losing advertisers. It, it, everything's fine, but you will you will get paid. Uh, okay. Good. That that's great. Um, but yes, I I, I feel like a, a lot of people are saying it's a good thing, and in principle, perhaps yes, it is. There'll be you know young young black and Asian children uh, and young fat people who will look at the cabinet and say, oh, maybe maybe one day I can I can do that. I, I can become that, and that, that, that's fine. But are you going to be good at the job? 
So it's interesting as well that you've uh, mentioned Therese Kofi as being one of the diverse panel, because I've, I'm not sure she's really been included in, in that description. Well, yeah, it is, it is diverse, again, isn't it? Because you've got a health secretary who very much looks like the opposite of health. And I think that's quite a bold statement. I, I am, uh, you know, often a little nervous whenever Ishan comes on the show. Um, I'm always nervous. Well, I carry a, a low level of anxiety at all times. That's true. However, I, I've got to say, I do think that the, the size of our ministers shouldn't necessarily play a part in uh, whether we believe they are capable of performing their duties. What what upsets me is we've got this immense talent on on the backbenchers, Desmond Swain or Christopher oh. Chope. Christopher Chope. I mean, that man has been a dedicated MP for 35 years. 35 years? When's it going to be his time to shine? He's done so many wonderful things. Well, this is it. You know, there's all this talent. And what will happen is, you know, as your diversity correspondent, of course, I have a very uh, good understanding of the situation. What tends to happen is when you promote people um, on the basis of diversity, it puts more pressure on those people to deliver because the moment they fail, people then assume that that whole race is therefore incapable of handling money or looking after our borders, whatever the failure may be. Like Northerners. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so that's one problem. And the second problem is people like Christopher Chobe and Desmond Swain look at this. They see being overlooked for these top jobs. They talk to their friends. And, you know, that anti-ethnic minority feeling just perpetuates. So what Liz Truss has done here is actually put society on a bit of a back foot actually. So you think that by hiring a more diverse cabinet, she's actually making people more racist? Yeah, so 100%. Actually, yes. racism really is, it's not their fault. No, the, the way to, to, to prevent racism is to not appoint people to these top jobs. I think that's a wonderful idea. I think if we just employ uh, white white people to positions yes. of power... I think that will mean that, that there won't be a sort of resentment to to minorities, yes, and they can be, yeah. you know, they can be taxi taxi drivers, or or, or I'm I'm quite happy with that. I I think um, I'm going to have to break one of my rules, which is to never have an opinion when it comes to um, issues of race, because you know it's not my space. I with there's enough white men giving their opinions, but. I'm going to have to step in there and, and and give my opinion, which is, you know, representation matters. These people, they may not have shown any great skill in, you know, prior to their appointment in their positions, but give them a so, crack. So you're saying they're not good anyway because they're diverse. That, no, that that's not that that wasn't what I said it was not what i meant to say you you, you said they de- they have no skill I, no, before they got into these positions no, I, well i mean they might not definitely have demonstrated the skill but it, it could be it could be there is is what, what i'm saying Ishan, it seems like you're you're starting from the assumption that they don't have the skill and I, and, I, and i'm sure they do i'm just, i'm just saying yes, that martin we're not say, we're not saying 
people who, who aren't white don't have skills. Of course they do. We're just saying that if we put them and, you know, give them good jobs, it's going to make, it's going to make white people feel bad. It is bad when is, people feel bad. It sounds like what you're saying Sounds like what you're saying is they don't have any skills. That's skills, no, yeah. not, like, that's not, that's no, not what I'm saying. That's actually no, unnecessarily racist. No, that's but the main thing that for. I make sure that I try not to be. I'm actually racist. quite triggered and oh, offended because I'm it seems by this I didn't Martin. Mean yeah, trigger. it seems like he's saying I don't have skills. I, you you're do. Saying, Some you, of them are. I'm sure. But you sounded surprised. You said it. The way you said that suggested you were surprised that I had you, any skills. I, I'm. You you can play tennis. There's, I could, you know, there's uh, Ishan. He, well, he's a joker. He's jokes tick. Okay, I don't name think me, Ishan name can play famous, tennis, actually. Name me another famous Asian tennis player. Huh? Sorry? The, a, I, the thing is, tennis is, uh, it's a very complex game. And I don't really watch it because it's... Ten- tennis it's, is quite an elite you know sport. I don't know why you went very similar to tennis. Cricket. And there are many very cricket's talented. Not the, cricket's not the only sport we play. No, I, cricket. no I mean, I, I don't know why you chose cricket. I wasn't saying that. It feels like. It's, and I think what he's Martin, doing at the moment is he's say, googling cricket. Um, yeah, <laughs> producer Martin, it, it seems like you have a lot of assumptions about non-white people in that they they're, they're unskilled and they're good at cricket. That's and, absolutely. And I, I, I don't not quite know why you decided. I know you present yourself as a lefty wokey. Mahesh Bhupathi, bless you, a bless tennis you. player, what one of the top greatest? Oh, oh, that's a name, is it? Sania Mirza. Are you all right? I'm just googling What's Asian it? tennis players. Why? Look, I did. I'm, I'm in a hole Why here. Why are you making and... noises? You see, when you say a name that isn't white, you sound like you're just making racist noises. That is not my intent just, here. I'm just. You have to, to bring say it, it with the actual. Just to bring it back to the issue at hand. Um, I feel like everyone should be given a chance at least to have a go at the position before we level these kind of uh, They're not children, Producer Martin. These are grown adults. Give them a chance. I mean, we're not playing tiddlywinks. And we're not not patronising them here, Martin. Yeah, it's very patronising. Appointing them to these positions is very patronising, actually. That's exactly what it is. It's patronising. Martin, I always suspected when you used to be um, mean about Pretty Patel, and I thought... This man, this man has a has a bit of a problem. There's an undercurrent, isn't there? Not, There's always an undercurrent. Just, I believe That's that people thing. should be allowed to not die in this the channel. This is the thing with a lot of lefty wokey people. There's an undercurrent of racism wrapped yep. up, right? Uh, but you know, they criticise a lot of right wing people for being overtly racist. Well, I don't know. I'd rather have an overt racist than a covert racist. Thank That's you very much. That's why I've got a lot of overtly racist friends because I don't. I, I don't I want that. a racist in a burqa. Thank you. I, I want. I want to be able to see the racist face. That's what I want. I suppose that's good to have that cleared up in a way. Well, Martin, hopefully you'll reflect on some of your behaviour in in future. I'll certainly Honestly, think this is before talking. This has been the most triggering conversation I've had. Ish, I didn't I'm expect so it from producer Martin. I need to text Jane. Now, our interview this week is with 
David Allen Green, who came in with some interesting views on the legal system. We actually recorded this a few weeks ago. It hasn't been on the podcast yet, um, but it's great to listen back because it talks about Suella Braverman and why she is the best lawyer in the world. Oh, yes. Always good to have a legal eagle's bird's eye view on the situation. Today we are talking about the government proposals to repeal the Human Rights Act and here with us we have David Allen Green, otherwise known as DAG, to talk us through it. Hello DAG, welcome to the show. Hello Harriet, thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Now um, DAG, for the benefit of our listeners who are not as learned as you and I, uh, can you briefly, preferably in a, in a fun, exciting way... Um, explain what the Human Rights Act is. We have a Human Rights Act and it's called a Human Rights Act because it allows the government to interfere with our rights and it protects the rights of companies as well as humans. Brilliant, brilliant. So, I mean, great. I, see, I didn't know that. I didn't know that companies get protected as well because that's the worry, isn't it? People focus on the people and they forget about the companies and that the companies have feelings too and and rights. Yes, indeed. Uh, That's because companies are legal people, just like you and me. They actually have rights and those rights can be interfered with and they can go to court and sue for their rights. And that's possible because they are treated as if they are humans for the purposes of the Human Rights Act. Well, I hope that there are lots of companies listening to this interview and take a leaf out of your book and just start suing. Just start suing. Oh, there's a lot in there for companies. There's a, a right to property. Uh, which which companies can rely on against the government is a lot there which people don't know about, but the government's going to repeal it anyway. But well, well no, the, the fact that the government are repealing it is a, is a good thing, right? Because the problem is, is that we're sort of is subjected to these European rights when really we want to stand on our own two feet, stop being beholden to Europe, and and. You scrap their their nasty hold on our human rights and just sort of protect and start our own human rights, right? That's what, but that's that's what we're cl- doing. That's the clever thing. The government isn't getting rid of the jurisdiction of the European Court at all. And indeed, the European Convention of Human Rights will still have effect in English law. All they are doing, Harriet, is repealing the Human Rights Act and bringing out a new piece of legislation called the Bill of Rights which also gives effect to the European Convention of Human Rights. They just make it a lot more difficult for people to actually rely on them in practical circumstances. But those European rights will still be there. Wait, no, so, no, no, Dutlick, I know, you, I know you're the lawyer and you understand law, but this this doesn't seem right to me. So what, what you're, you're saying that this, what, this, won't, this won't do anything, this won't protect us from, from nasty European bendy banana rights? It will actually make it more... Uh, make more of a role for the European Court because if people can't rely on their European Convention of Human Rights rights in the UK, they can now go to Strasbourg and petition for their rights. So a piece of legislation which quite cleverly restrained the role of the Strasbourg Court is being repealed and replaced with a piece of legislation which means that there will be more cases for you to comment on about people from the United Kingdom going to Strasbourg to rely on their human rights. 
Um, sorry, but we, didn't we stop all that with Brexit? They can't go to no. Strasbourg now. They need a different passport. Ah, no, because the European Convention of Human Rights is a separate European uh, instrument to the European Union treaties. It is distinct. There are far more countries in the European Convention of Human Rights than in the European Union. Brexit didn't make any difference at all. Yeah, uh, no, I think Brexit's made a lot of difference in this country. I think you'll find... Uh, I mean, I, I just listened to um, Suella Braverman, you know, who is, as we know, the, the best best lawyer in the country. And Oh, she is. She's the leader of all us barristers and solicitors. She, she, she's, I'm so glad you see that, Dag. Uh, often a lot of wokey lawyers, which uh, some people have branded you as, by the way, uh, you know, they're, they're quite mean about her. And I think it's jealousy because she's got a great handle on the law. She knows how to interpret it. But she is a big promoter of Brexit. And I think she'll tell you that Brexit is the way forward. Well, she's representative of many lawyers because most lawyers are not qualified to be Attorney General. And she represents the vast majority of us lawyers in not being qualified to be Attorney General. Um, But she makes a mistake here about the European Union is distinct from European Convention on Human Rights. So what this means, Harriet, is that you could try and have Brexit all over again and try and take the United Kingdom out of the European Convention on Human Rights. But there will be huge problems if you do try to do that, but you could have that wonderful Brexit feeling all over again with a different European organisation. See, that does actually sound quite appealing. Uh, another, I thought it another would Brexit. do. We could have another Brexit party. Um, Producer Martin, we, we had yes. a Brexit party, didn't we? We could have another one. Oh, yes, there was a eaten mess and, and, and fish and chips and lots of, lots of uh, very, very sort of uh, dangerous, uh, risky language thrown about. <laughs> but, 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 Dag, I want to go back to this. What do you mean she's not qualified to be? A, how, what, what are the qualifications for being Attorney General? Well, being the Attorney General means you have to be partly judicial in your capacity and partly legal. It's called a quasi-legal role. Not crazy, but quasi. Q-U-A-S-I. It means that you have to be part of the government, but also be independent and give the government candid legal advice, which the government may not want from time to time. But she's not qualified to do that because she doesn't even want to be quasi-independent. She is a full-hearted member of this government as a minister, And it doesn't suit the role of Attorney General to have such a politicised figure. And so that is why I would say she is not qualified to be Attorney General because she does not respect how you have to be independent. And sometimes you know this as a pundit. Sometimes you have to tell people things they don't want to hear. And that is what the Attorney General should be doing for the government with its legal advice. But she does tell people things they don't want to hear. She just doesn't tell the government that. She, that did, is she tells, absolutely she tells all true. the wokey she puts the wokey left in their place, which is what That's I like true. to I, think that I do. Yeah. I, I don't well, like you hear should, a lot of the things well, that she says. Well, then then Harriet, you would be just as qualified to be Attorney General <gasps> as Marvin. Oh, wonderful. Could we um uh, Martin, could you get in yes? could you get in touch with the government, maybe put me forward? I, I can certainly out? look at the paperwork. I'll, uh, yes. I'll I'll see what see what can happen. I think this could because um, I, I could. You I would could also get QC after your name as well, for free. Ooh, Stop that is quite it, fun, really. Isn't it? Having some yes extra letters. You could after you. you could say that I'm and white honourable in front. You'd get all the paraphernalia, both sides of your name, large as your oh name is. Goodness. You'd have even more. Oh my goodness, Dag! Um, I mean, I, I'm practically. Uh, you could say because if all that's standing in the way is just the government electing me, 
You could say I'm QC already, couldn't we? Could we imagine, could we, could mm-hmm. we add that to the show, Martin? Just add um, oh. Harriet Langley Swindon QC, just mm. see what happens? I, I think we may run into some legal problems. I could be like, I could be the British, British version of Judge Judy. Oh, as long uh-huh. as you don't call yourself a barrister or a solicitor. Uh-huh. You can't do that, but just shoving QC at your name, you know, who okay, would know the difference? I feel like you've, um, you've started a series of events that uh, you don't quite understand, Dag, but that's, that's fine. Thank you for that. It's going to be a lot I, of I, This is, this is so wonderful. I, I can't believe I'm now, I'm now QC, Harriet Langley Swindon QC. Then I can, start, I can start a legal blog like yours, Dag, uh, give you a run for your money. And, yes, uh, you can, absolutely. And you could also use nice, short sentences saying telling people what they should be thinking about the matters that really really people care about wonderful Mm. i think and you could also not be read which is also something you have as a legal blogger but you know putting that to one side at least you could be able to sort of get your legal thoughts out there with nice short punchy sentences yes Uh, one thing that has been read quite a lot is the uh, question that we asked to our listeners uh, earlier in the show which was uh, which honorary human would you like to see? We're talking about the Human Rights Act and which which of these do you think would be the best to become an honorary human? Um, 20% said leprechauns. They'd like to see them be uh, extended the same rights as humans. Uh, 34% said monkeys. Of course, one of our, our closest... closest uh, uh, it's not actually a bad idea. There's all sorts uh, of things in this world which have legal personality which aren't humans. Ships have legal personality. Rivers and waterfalls elsewhere in the world are given legal personality. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to give it to the primates as well. And they should have the same sort of rights humans should. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And top top of our pick from the audience was uh, was giants, which is, I think, people, anyone over six foot seven. Well, actually, it's funny, funny you should say that, producer Martin, because if you've read the Harry Potter books, the rights of giants are really, really called into question. Well, yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think as QC, I think I will say something about that, actually, in my blog that I'm going to start very soon uh, after this interview. What I want to know, um, Dag, is why do you think that lefty lawyers keep trying to undermine the law? I mean, they know what the government means, don't they? What is it? What is it that they just can't leave it alone? They're always trying to niggle at the law and talk about human rights and things like that. What's that about? Well, lefty lawyers are the stunt men and women of, of, of the law. You see them, but, but they are there to take the hits from other people. They are there to take the strain because lefty lawyers don't do things by themselves. They have clients. And whenever you moan about a lefty lawyer, or a lefty judge, or whatever, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. They are actually looking after clients or deciding cases. Behind every lawyer you want to complain about, there is usually a client. But the lawyers will take the the hit on behalf of their clients. So pundits like you get to blame the lefty lawyers. The lefty lawyers don't mind because it means you're not criticising their clients, and they get to do something on behalf of their clients. So everybody's a winner. Sure, how I feel with that analogy. I don't mind you and other pundits criticising lefty lawyers because it means that you are diverting your attacks from our clients who we actually do care about. Well, I mean, it depend, depends on, on the clients, actually. I mean, to be honest with you, I like to attack the, the lefty lawyers and your clients. I feel that I really try and, you know, not leave anyone out. It's like Birmingham. 
we have this awful train station in the middle called New Street Station, which means that everybody thinks of Birmingham as New Street Station and criticises it and travels straight through and they don't get off and spoil Birmingham for the rest of us. It is just like that. Although it's, uh, it's Grand Central now and uh, there's you know, quite a lot of new shops there. Uh, it was in Birmingham just the other day. Uh, the, the I know, but we, we've got to uglify the rest of the centre of the city just to make sure that people like Harriet don't get off and, and wander around and, and spoil it. Ah, cunning play. I, w- I would definitely never wander around Birmingham. Not, not That's, That is a win. That is what we have spent 50 years uglifying our city to actually centre of our city to achieve. Do you think, though, um, with, with a serious, serious question here now, do you think if we if we took control of, of human rights and we got rid of the Strasbourg courts, I know you've said that that will be difficult, but could we take away the rights of, of, of um, the Birmingham uh, people? Well, we, this we is the clever thing about the European Convention of Human Rights because because of two with two exceptions, which I can come on if you want in a moment. With two exceptions, almost all of the with two exceptions, all of the European Convention of Human Rights, all of the articles can be interfered with by the government as long as they are acting lawfully and have a reason to do so. And this is the, this is the strange thing about the government's attack on the European Convention of Human Rights and the Human Rights Act. It's because it's actually quite a weak piece of legislation to begin with. It allows all sorts of things to happen. If we had a genuine right to privacy in this country, we wouldn't have the security services with their powers of surveillance and interception, which they have. But they're able to do it because they can actually tick the boxes and say, OK, we're acting lawfully, we're acting reasonably and proportionately, we can interfere with your privacy. This is what a lot of the people on, 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 on the unwoke side don't quite understand, is actually the Human Rights Act is quite weak beer. The what only two it? exceptions, the only two exceptions which I'm sure you, you will probably be upset about is there is an absolute right to life and there is an absolute right against being tortured. But apart from that, they're all up for grabs as long as the government has decent legal advice, which the government spends a lot of money on. But you make it sound like the government do illegal things. We can't, we can't do illegal things. No. We voted for them. No, that's the joy of it. It isn't illegal. It's perfectly permitted under the Human Rights Act. It's perfectly legal what the government does. It might be wrong, but the Human Rights Act lets them do it. And well, you want to get rid of it. Why are they trying to get rid of the Human Rights Act if the Human Rights Act lets them do what they want? Because they want people to clap and cheer at gestures like this. Actually, that, I do like clapping and cheering at gestures. Oh, very big of that in here. Apart from the NHS, that went on a bit long. So, Dag, one of the things I was hoping for is if we got rid of the European uh, Court of Human Rights, we could bring back hanging. Well, yes, that would be possible. But if we jo- if we leave the European Convention on Human Rights, we also break the Good Friday Agreement, which basically means the peace settlement in Northern Ireland and Ireland comes to an end and we get all sorts of violence again anyway. So, oh, I mean, but everyone goes on about the Good Friday Agreement. It's like, oh, come on, you know, it just all this sort of lawyery rubbish. And you're just going, you're, ju- you're just getting upset because because of Brexit. Stop, stop it. Just sort it out, Ireland. We've given you a border in the sea. That's fun. But the European Convention on Human Rights and the UK being part of it and Ireland being part of it gave a way of solving the problem of the Irish border. It also, our membership of the European Union, also gave us a way of solving the problem of the Gibraltar border. That has meant that people like you could keep on saying, hurrah, we've got little bits of the map red, longer. 
Now we've got to face up to some really fundamental contradictions about our relationships with Ireland and Northern Ireland and Spain and Gibraltar, which we didn't have to do before. And you could have basked even longer in having little dots of red around the world on, on world maps saying, oh, that's all part of the British Empire. Well, I'm afraid we're going to have to face up to little parts of the map not being part of the United Kingdom's crown dependencies and otherwise because what? of these agreements. Yes, it's also counterproductive. And you all voted for it. You know, we... we... We, we know what we voted for. I'm sorry, I, I'm i going to have to contact Suella Braverman about this because I'm not convinced you are a proper lawyer. I don't think you really know what you're talking about. As a QC, I have a good grasp of the law and this... This doesn't sound familiar to me. I, I don't, I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I don't want to offend you. I'm very glad you've come on this show to, you know, talk about your interpretation of the European Courts of Human Rights. But I'm not buying this. I'm not buying. Dang. I think it's, I think it's ridiculous. Dang, and I'm again, very sorry, but you have brought this on yourself somewhat. I think the that's about, it's all, it's all for purpose. That is what us lefty lawyers are for. Attack us. It means you leave our clients alone. As I said, I'm more than willing. To attack your clients as well. Dag, Dag, I, I think uh, I could actually do with you representing me in this show. I um, I tend to take Martin. a lot of flack, especially during certain... So, Oh, sorry, well, we'll, we can talk about this off air, maybe. I think maybe we could have a little chat about this later. Martin, I'm sorry, as QC, I can give you advice on on the flack that you're supposedly getting in this show. This is not a... Pro- you don't need to go across enemy lines. Please! <laughs> Absolutely yes. ridiculous. Anyway, I, Dag, I think if, I think if you don't, oh, sorry, it's going to just jump in a very last minute, yeah. quick um, a, opinion from you, Dag. We've got three new additional yeah. rights that uh, we'd like mm-hmm. to add to the Human Rights Act, and if you just give me a, a quick response to each one. First of all, uh, the right to remain silent in specifically awkward family situations. Do you think we could add that to the uh, to the old Human Rights Act, or? I'm just exercising that right. Oh, that was very good. That was very good. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I just take that as a positive response. Next up, um, the the right to slap someone if they've been rude about your wife. Well, slap is 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 is, is a term which uh, I think should not be used in a in a broadcast like that. I think any type of physical violence is absolutely wrong, and so I don't think there should be a right to do that. It's like saying there should be a right to shoot somebody. Oh, that would be right. nice. Okay, actually, fair enough, and. And, and finally, we have um, the right to be wrong. For example, if, if you uh, were a prime minister or, or politician, you lied, misled, uh, or just had a sort of general scandal. Or if you were just a, a normal person, got into a heated conversation about uh, coronavirus, uh, but, but, but uh, you, you accidentally said the wrong name and you, you, you said Jean-Claude Van Damme instead of Jonathan Van Tam. You see, that could be embarrassing, I, I, I... but... I think relying on a right to be wrong is actually literally turning rights on its, on their head to something of the opposite of what they're for. Right, well, seems like it'll just be the right to remain silent that's being added in then. I wish you'd remained silent more, Martin. These stupid outbursts. Just giving the people what they want. Well, um, that's been a, a, a very insightful uh, interview, Dag. And if you want to read uh, my blog so you can understand the law better... I will be launching it shortly after this conversation and I'll I'll send you the links and you can hopefully it's, it'll it'll really help you understand what's going on better. 
And thank you for inviting me on the show because it's all part of the promotion of the public understanding of law, which is a good thing in these dark days. For more people who know about the law, the better. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget to subscribe and, and what's the other things they can do, Martin? You can hit five stars for starters. You can hit five stars. You can leave a little note. Uh, there's been some messages from people uh, giving their support to uh, me. They actually quite enjoyed uh, last week's episode, which was... No, it's being stupid it's, people, Martin. It's becoming known as the, the producer Martin episode. It, no, uh, okay. I think it, no. no, I don't well, think you um, about that. You can leave positive comments in there. People do read them, so uh, make sure you use your best words. And as I say, come along to our podcast tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. But if you can't come, then it's your loss and I feel sorry for you. With thanks to Rosie Holt, Brendan Murphy, Ishan Akbar, Suze Kempner, special guest David Allen Green and Ed Morrish. See you next week for some more Nonsensored. Nonsensored.